1: He had an understanding, he had a counsel against the Jewish people, so that wisdom, that understanding, that counsel that Pharaoh had was against God, and it was overturned. In the book of Esther, we read how Haman, he also had a wisdom, he had an understanding, he had a counsel that was against Mordecai and Mordecai's Jewish people, and that was to see them exterminated. So Haman had a wisdom, he had an understanding, he had a counsel that was against God, And just like Pharaoh, Haman's plan was overturned so that Haman wound up exalting Mordecai by leading Mordecai on the king's horse through the city and finally Haman ended up being hung on the very gallows that he had built the night before to kill Mordecai. Now, verse 10 tells us, And the child grew and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son and she called his name Moses and she said, because I drew him out of the water. Now we see the time when Moses is grown. And thanks to God, Jacobeb has nursed her son and been paid for it. That's hilarious. And everyone has rejoiced for Jacobeb. Oh, can't you imagine the happiness around the family there? Everyone has rejoiced for Jacobeb that she was able to nurse her son and even be paid for it. Everyone has kept the great secret from the Egyptians that this Moses really was the son of Jacobeb who had nursed him. As far as Pharaoh's daughter was concerned, it didn't matter to her that the person nursing Moses was really his mother. It didn't matter because she was determined to make him an Egyptian. She was determined to to make Moses her son. And the scripture does not say at this verse 10 that Pharaoh's daughter or another Egyptian came to collect the baby. It says very important words, she, that's Jacobeb, she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter. And what a day, that was for Jacobeb. You think we got a bad day, think about that day. That was a hard day for Jacobeb. She felt it on that day. She was delivering her son that she had hid from being killed. She was delivering her son whom she had risked her life to keep alive. She was delivering her son who she had nursed. And now Jacobeb must say at this day goodbye to her son. She knew she might never see him again. She certainly would never touch him again. And she knew this day was coming. She'd known this day was coming for a long time and she had lived for this day. Now, let me ask you, if you were Jacobeb, and that was your son and that was that day, what would you have done if you were Jacobeb, So looking forward to that day. And you said, boy, I'm just gonna nurse this baby with all the milk I can give him. Would you only have nursed him with milk? Or would you, like Jacobeb, did, nurse that little boy with more than just milk, but would you not pour into Moses the word of God, the milk of the word of God, the promises of God? Would you not have taught him? Would you not have prayed for him? Would you not have sung to him the songs of Zion? Would you not have told Moses, Moses? Would you not have told him about the promises that God had made to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob? Would you not have told Moses of how God had protected his people in the past? Would you not have told Moses of how God had made the Hebrew people to multiply in Egypt? Would you not have told Moses of how God had promised to give the Hebrew people the land of Canaan? Would you not have told Moses of how God had preserved Jacob from the hand of Esau? Would you not have told Moses how God protected Joseph from his brothers? Would you not have told Moses what a great leader God made Joseph to be over Egypt and how all of Egypt gave reverence to Joseph? You would have poured into Moses the knowledge of God. You would have poured into Moses the knowledge that he was a part of the people of God. After all, Moses wrote the book of Genesis. Where did he get all that information about that's in Genesis? Most likely a lot of it from home. And Jacobeb and her husband, they knew that they only had Moses at home for a very short time period of time. And they knew that whatever Moses was going to learn about God, he wasn't going to learn it in the palace. He was going to learn it at home. And it was, And they had made it their business to make that home a learning place for Moses while they had him. They made good use of their time to infuse into Moses the knowledge of God and that's really true for our children also. We're just like Jacobeb in that sense. We have our kids at home with us for a really very short period of time in their lives. I mean, all three of our boys, they're grown now, they're out of the house, we can't turn the clock back, we can't do some reteaching of them, we can't, we can't turn it back and say, oh, I wanna give them more of the knowledge of God. We had the time when we had the time, and now that time has passed, just like it was for Jacobeb. We had to train our kids while we had the opportunity. I'm so glad that my wife, made that decision, when she did. She said, I'm not sending my kids to school. I'm gonna teach them at home, which she did for, for 14 years, so that she could teach them and infuse into them, like Jacob, the knowledge of God. And then we have to give them what we can and what they need while we can so that they'll be able to stand alone when mom and dad are not standing there with them. So we train them, we train them so that if they did not have a Bible, if the Bible was taken away from them, they could from memory rewrite summaries of the histories of the Bible, tell from those histories about the knowledge of God and the greatness of God. That's what the scripture means in Proverbs 22.6 when it says, train up, that means to narrow in, it's literally to train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Moses was trained up at home in the way he should go. And when he came to years, he did not depart from it. But thinking again back on that day when Jochebed delivered her son, for Jochebed, it was really a lot easier than it would have been in the past because she'd already gone through this. Jochebed had already gone through putting Moses into the hands of God when she placed him into the ark and Jochebed had already committed her son Moses to God and she had learned what happens to what is committed to God and so she had already gone through this her mind was trained and what she did was she looked at the future and she figured with God in view you know it's possible to do that it's possible to figure without God in view. That's that street that says worry without God in the equation. It's possible to figure with God in view. Jacobeb had already gained her place in God's great hall, faith hall of fame in Hebrews 11, where it says of her in Hebrews 11, 23, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. Jacobeb knew from God that her child was going to be especially used by God and therefore it was by faith that she hid Moses for three months. It was by faith that she was not afraid of the king's commandment. It was by faith that Jochebed, with a mother's heart to protect her son, placed her son in the ark because she figured with God in view that if God had revealed to her that he had a great plan for Moses, then figuring with God in view, it must not be part of God's special plan for Moses to be destroyed at birth if God had protected him for three months. And then she figured with God in view that it must not be part of God's special plan for Moses to be destroyed in the River Nile. And so we even with this great mother's heart to protect Jochebed now has come to the time when she must give up her son again and she again exercises faith as she knows, again, figuring with God in view that it must not be part of God's special plan for Moses to be spiritually, to be morally destroyed by the corruption in Egypt's palace. So, for in maintaining her own peace of mind she does something that she's done before. And Jacobeb again takes her son, Moses, and this time, not an ark, but into the Pharaoh's daughter's hands, she gives her son into the hands of God. Some call it an ark, I call it the hands of God. Some call it Pharaoh's daughter's hands, I call it the hands of God. And again, Jacobeb says that she is only giving up her son again into the hands of God. Now how do we as parents do this? How do we as parents give up our children the same way Jacob did into the hands of God? We don't give up our children to the wind. We don't give up our children to circumstances. We don't give up our children to chance. We give up our children to God. Abraham gave Isaac to God when he was on that mountain and because he did, he received Isaac back again. And Jacobeb had reached that point in her life where she herself had wholly given herself to God. Therefore, everything she had, including her son, was given to God. Now, does the Bible have anything to say to the heart of a protective parent, to the heart of a protective mother, a protective father who loses contact, who loses control over the children? Does the Bible have any word of assurance for parents who find themselves in Jacob's position or maybe never ever gonna see their children again as Jacob was thinking? The Bible does. And it's in Proverbs fourteen twenty six. a wonderful verse. It says, "In." The fear of the Lord is strong confidence. And his children shall have a place of refuge. All we want for our children is that no matter what happens to them, all we want is they will have the same place of refuge that we have. What place of refuge is that? Psalm 46.1, God is our refuge and strength a very present help in time of trouble. This verse says, the more we honor God, the more we give God the credit that he deserves because he's God, the more we give God the place that he deserves because he's God, the more confidence we have in God that he will be the refuge, then he will be the refuge for our children. That very place of refuge and strength and help when they are in trouble and we're not there to help them. Now, we read in verse 10 more, it says, and the child grew and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son and she called his name Moses for she said because I drew him out of the water. Here was God's deliverer, this is God's man, Moses, the man who's going to be the friend of God, the man who's gonna be the giver of God's law the man who is going to write the first five books of the Bible, and Pharaoh's daughter thinks that she is using a Hebrew woman, who's really Moses' mother, to help bring up Moses. But in reality, God is using Pharaoh's daughter to help bring up God's son, God's man, Moses. Now, knowing what we know about Moses and who he became, it's remarkable for us to read those words about Moses in verse 10 and he became her son. He became the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And he became her son, in verse 10. That happened to Moses, and Moses really had no real choice in the matter. He was a little baby. But that meant that Moses became, in her mind and in Pharaoh's mind, an Egyptian. In Pharaoh's eyes, Moses was no longer a Hebrew. So for Pharaoh, when he educated Moses, Pharaoh was really educating an Egyptian. And from that point of view, Moses was known as Pharaoh's daughter, that was Moses' daughter. Who is that? That's the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Since Pharaoh had only one child, his daughter, and since this daughter could not have children herself, because between her, her husband and her they were infertile, that meant Moses was known only as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. But Moses was also known as the one who was next to the throne of Egypt because Moses was slated to rise up to a position in Egypt that would have been even higher than the position that Joseph had. And all this was taking place in Moses' life when he really had nothing to say about it. But there came a certain time in Moses' life that's referred to in Hebrews 11:24, and that's the time when he did have something to say about it. And it says there in Hebrews 11:24, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. When the time came for Moses to come to years, when Moses could on his own make his own decisions, then Moses exercised faith. And when he did, he made a decision. And the decision he made was to refuse that title he became her son. He refused the title of being the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Why did Moses refuse to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter? The verses that go on in Hebrews 11 tell us why. It says, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing, important word, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteeming, important word, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt for he had respect. He had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Moses was faced with a great choice. He could have enjoyed, could have enjoyed, it was very enjoyable to be the son of Pharaoh's daughter. What's not to like? You got all of his servants taking care of you, anything you want, it's the whole, you're in the richest land, uh, what's not to like? He could have enjoyed that, being the son of Pharaoh's daughter and enjoying what the Bible calls, because there was a lot of corruption in that palace, the pleasures of sin for a season, short term. The pleasures of sin for a season, and then he could have also suffered the wrath of God. Or Moses could have chose to suffer affliction, which he did. He could have chose, he did choose, to suffer affliction with the people of God and enjoy pleasing God, enjoy being a friend of God. So Moses looked very carefully in comparison. He looked at the riches that the treasures of Egypt, they saw them all there. They were there. We excavate them today in the pyramids and so forth. The treasures of Egypt, they all were offered to him. And on the other hand, he looked at the rewards that God offered to him. And the Bible says that Moses, when he looked at these two, it says he had respect. That's the word that's used. He had respect for what God offered. He had respect unto the recompense of reward. And he looked at the riches of Egypt that was being offered to him and the rewards that God was offering to him. And he said, in comparison, side by side, there's no question, with Egypt's treasures on one hand and God's rewards on the other hand, there's no comparison next to God's reward. I have no respect for Egypt's treasures compared to God's rewards. And later, we're gonna see how Moses decided to turn his back on Egypt. And later, we're gonna see how he decided to become a part of the people of God and to suffer affliction and refuse to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So we see in verse 10 how it was Pharaoh's daughter who named Moses. That's interesting. Maybe that's one of the most famous names among Jewish babies, Moisha, Moses. And he named Moses, she named him Moses. Moses, Moisha, Moses, it's not a Hebrew name. It's an Egyptian name. It means drawn out of the water. Moses its not a Hebrew name, it's an Egyptian name. So when it says in verse 10, and she called his name Moses, she spoke Egyptian. She named him Egyptian. It's Moshe, it's Moses, it's Egyptian. And she said, because I drew him out of the water. Now there were cases in people's lives where God decided on that name is no longer appropriate for you. I would like to change it and God changed it. God changed it, again. God, he can do that if he wants to. And so he changed Avram's name to Abraham. He changed Jacob's name to Israel. So it causes us to wonder, naturally, if God changed the names of Abram, Abraham, and so forth, I mean, this is an Egyptian name, Moisha, Moses, God, why don't we change Moses' name? Why didn't God change Moses' name? Why does he keep the name, the Egyptian name? I mean, why did God change Moses' name? I mean, would it have been so terrible? I mean, I, why do we keep an Egyptian name? Why would God want for the most famous prophet and savior of the Jewish people to retain an Egyptian name given by a heathen Egyptian princess. What could be God's purpose? What in the world is God thinking to have the Jewish people to always say an Egyptian name to refer to their most famous prophet, their most famous deliverer, their most famous, you could say priest, their most famous savior, and what's with it? Why should they always be saying an Egyptian name? What could God have in his mind? Well, one thing God might have in his mind. God's purpose is that every time a Jewish person would say the name Moses, Moshe, he would remember that all the blessings of God did not come to the Jewish people because of anything in themselves, but the blessings came to them from God by the grace of God. It was the grace of God, pride, pride. P-R-I-D-E, the most horrible stain that can be on a human heart. The reason why everybody who's in hell today is because of that word, P-R-I-D-E. It's a horrible thing, it's that God hates it, God resists it, and pride in the Jewish people is a big danger for them, and it's a great concern to God. And it was very important for the Jewish people to not become proud. God did not want them to become proud because they were Jewish. And so God taught them to pray a certain particular statement every time they pray. God said, look, in Deuteronomy 26.5, this is what I want you to say. And thou shalt speak and say before the Lord thy God, Assyrian Syrian of all people, a Syrian ready to perish was my father. And he went down into Egypt and so sojourned there with a few and became there a, a nation, great, mighty, and popular. So he's saying to the Jewish people, when you start to get proud about your heritage, remember that it was a Syrian. Oy, a Syrian. You know, during the wars in Israel, if there were any Israeli soldiers that were unfortunate enough to be captured by the Syrian army, they never returned to Israel sane. It's just unthinkable. And so God says, your father was a Syrian. Not just any Syrian. He was a Syrian ready to perish. And he went down into the incubator of Hawaii? No, into Egypt. See, this is what God was saying there. I want you to understand, it's not in you, the Jewish people. It's not in the Jewish people, it's in God. It's not about the Jewish people. It's about the God of the Jewish people. And the issue of pride and being Jewish was such a big issue for God. It became a big issue for John the Baptist because when John saw religious people coming to his baptism of repentance, he knew what they were saying in themselves. And they knew that they were saying in themselves, we're just fine because we're Jewish, like some Jewish people today. When they say, you know, the concept of hell, that's for Gentiles because Jews, they all go to heaven because they were born Jewish. That was a great, that's pride. And that was a great issue, a great danger for the Jewish people. Therefore, John the Baptist said in Matthew 3, 9, think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones. So there, what do you think about that? of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. The danger of pride is also very real for us, and God's concerned about that as well. So he says in Ephesians 2:5, and when we were dead, can't get more useless than being dead. You can't have less worth than being dead. So he says, and when we were dead in sins, God quickened us together with Christ, for by grace are ye saved, you are saved. And then in Ephesians 2.8, he went on, he says, by grace, you're saved through faith. That salvation is not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. So when you think about Exodus 2.10, she called his name Moses. She said, because I drew him out of the water. Really, the name Moses gave credit to Pharaoh's daughter because she said, I drew him out of the water. So as verse 10 says, God wants the Jewish people when they spoke of their famed hero Moses, lest they should take pride in Moses and forget the God of Moses, God kept the name. He kept the name that she gave, so that every time a Jewish person would say the name Moses, he would remember her words. She called his name Moses, but she said, because I drew him out of the water. And by remembering that a Jewish person, when he says the name Moses, would always be remembering that my hero was drawn out of a muddy river by a heathen Egyptian woman. How humiliating. Really, the name Moses was designed for that. And from that humiliating reminder, the Jewish people would remember the miraculous rescue, the miraculous training of their hero Moses and conclude only God, only God could have done that and then worship Jehovah, Jehovah Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for being who you are and doing what you did and doing what you do, doing what you will do. Thank you that you don't change yesterday, today, or forever. And help us, Lord, as we see you to worship you.
0: We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God.